0: 2020 bringing a biblical perspective on life culture and current events weekdays on UCB's vision radio network find out more at vision.org.au hello it's neil johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast on the vision radio network remember you can hear 2020 on vision weekdays from 10am australian eastern standard time Well as you know there are prominent scientists all over the world who are passionate about the debate over the origins of the universe. Some believe it all started with the Big Bang, others are convinced that God is the creator. The universe is huge and because of its size there's a general perception that it's very old. Dr Jim Mason is a nuclear physicist from Canada who's one of the featured speakers in the Proclaim Creation conferences along the east coast of Australia during the month of August. Well, ahead of the conferences, we were able to contact Dr. Mason to talk about how a nuclear physicist looks at creation and put to him some of the most controversial questions about the universe and its construction. It's not every day you get to hear the heartbeat and pick the brains of a nuclear physicist, so it's good to talk with Dr. Jim Mason. Hello, Jim. Welcome to 2020.
1: Hello, Neil. Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. Jim, uh, the closest
0: most of us get to a nuclear physicist is probably watching that uh, popular sitcom television program on the TV called the Big Bang Theory. And uh, there are people there who are sort of into uh, physics in a big way, uh, but not always from a Christian worldview perspective. What you're going to bring to Australia, uh, there are so many people looking forward to your input.
1: Well, I'm afraid I can't relate it to the Big Bang Theory on television because I don't actually watch it myself. (laughs) Uh, But, yes, we're going to be talking about uh, a a few different things. I'm I'm going to be looking at some of the aspects of creation from a physics perspective that that really do proclaim creation. Uh, I'm going to start out looking at some of the evidence from the universe and then I'm going to look at the other end of the size spectrum if you like and look at particle physics and talk a little bit about uh, the recent discovery of the Higgs boson and what that may or may not uh, proclaim about creation and then of course uh, any talk by a nuclear physicist wouldn't really be complete if we didn't talk about radiometric dating.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the specifics that you're going to bring with the tour to Australia. And uh, I know you love to talk about the cosmos and uh, nuclear physicists are obviously interested in uh, all of the developments, the changes, uh, the science that's associated with the cosmos. Uh, What sort of things will you bring as a focus when you talk about that topic?
1: Well, of course, one of the big issues with the cosmos is its alleged age of 13.8 billion years. So we're going to look at where that originally came from and why people think it's that old. And then we're going to look at some uh, new physics that's been developed, uh, partly by uh, Dr. John Hartnett over at the University of Western Australia, that kind of deals with this issue of if the universe is, if there are stars that are really 13.8 billion light years away, how is it we can actually see the light coming from them if the earth is only 6,000 years old, uh, as the Bible indicates it is.
0: And this, of course, is a question that uh, dogs many Christians when they start to try and uh, bring scientific perspectives uh, into their Christian faith uh, to try and develop some understanding. Uh, is there a simple answer to this question?
1: Well, it's it, it all sort of hinges around time being relative, which is something that Einstein introduced us to, that clocks tick at different rates in different environments. And, and his theory demonstrated that that was true of different gravitational fields and different velocities. And uh, this physics that John Hartnett has dealt with uh, indicates that it's also true under accelerations. And what that turns out to mean is that parts of the cosmos that might have been accelerated at a very high rate uh, when God stretched out the heavens, like it tells us in several places in the Bible he did, that the clocks in those places were running at a much faster rate than the clocks on Earth.
0: So out in uh, deep space, uh, clocks are running at a different rate.
1: Yes. In, in the part of the space that was being accelerated when God was stretching out the heavens, the clocks were running very, very quickly there. So, in fact, many billions of years might have transpired on those distant galaxies. Whereas here on Earth, while we weren't being accelerated, our clocks were running at the normal rate. It kind of resolves this issue about how we can see stars starlight from from so far away if the earth is only a few thousand years old
0: okay so when you apply a biblical model to understanding the cosmos uh, then that uh, avenue of physics starts to make a lot of sense
1: well yes it's a combination of applying the biblical model with a um, if you like a new cosmological model that was developed by um physicists in israel and then um uh, Solving his equations with a biblical overlay, this stretching out the heavens aspect, which is what Dr. Hartnett did, and it's all right. It's kind of cool. It's very interesting. And what sort
0: of reaction do you get from skeptics and atheists and people who are evolutionists in their theory uh, when you're actually presenting these types of uh, issues in a conference like the Proclaiming Creation Conference that's coming up?
1: Well, um, I haven't actually run into that kind of situation uh, much at all, uh, really. Um, Most of the uh, audiences to whom I've talked have been uh, church attendees rather than skeptics, so I don't really have a lot of feedback of that sort of nature.
0: Okay. Do you expect uh, that when you visit Australia that there might be some questions that, uh, that will be difficult to answer?
1: Uh, but that would certainly be interesting. Yes, uh, I always welcome questions. The thing I like about questions is uh, when you're answering people's questions, you're dealing with things that are of interest to them and that are important to them, as opposed to when you're making a presentation, you're telling things that you think they might find interesting. But I really do uh, do like asking or answering people's or trying to answer people's questions.
0: So when we talk about that whole question of uh, the distance of stars, uh, the huge size of the universe, and people say uh, that the stars that we're looking at, the light that emanates from them, actually has taken longer than the age of the earth, as creationists explain. In a nutshell, what sort of response ought Christians be bringing to that type of argument?
1: Well, again, that that gets back to this idea that time isn't a constant parameter. I mean, if you go back to the days when we all had mechanical watches, um, they would run at different rates and your clock would show one time and somebody else's watch might show a different time. And um, on the surface of it, you have no way of telling which of those two times is correct. Now we think we have here on earth a standard reference clock to which we can refer all of these other clocks, but it actually turns out that, say, the atomic clocks that are used to run the uh, GPS navigation systems, they actually run at different rates, depending on whether or not they're in a satellite or whether or not they're on Earth. And both of those rates are correct for the environment in which they find themselves. So if we have clocks on Earth, which was not accelerated, then those clocks would run at a particular rate, which would be right measuring the time on Earth, and other clocks and other places in the um, uh, cosmos would be running at a different rate that would be right for measuring the time there, but would be different from the Earth clocks.
0: It is fascinating, and I know audiences will be fascinated with your presentation when you come to Australia for the August proclaim creation conferences and of course we'll give the dates uh, shortly in our next segment but uh, people can get the full tour dates at www.creation.com dr jim mason is a canadian nuclear physicist he's going to be part of the proclaim creation conferences jim stay with us i'd love to talk some more about uh, your role in physics and what happens uh, with new breakthroughs when we talk about the issues of creation stay with us we'll talk some more shortly You're listening to the 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. We're back talking to Dr. Jim Mason, a nuclear physicist from Canada, who's one of the featured speakers in the Proclaim Creation conferences that are happening along the East Coast during the month of August. Ahead of the conferences, we were able to contact Dr. Mason to talk about how a nuclear physicist looks at creation. In our last segment, we talked about issues with the size and age of the universe. Uh, Dr. Jim Mason's also interested in questions about the smaller aspects of how it all holds together. Jim Mason, what other dimensions are you covering in your presentation?
1: Well, uh, having, having looked at the big scale of the universe, I'm, I'm also going to look at the small scale of particle physics. Some folks may remember uh, last year about this time, there was a big announcement about the discovery of the Higgs boson, for which they'd been looking for some 40-odd or odd years. Um, from in CERN in Switzerland, and so I'm going to explore um, what that was all about, what it meant, what the um, evolutionists, what the secular scientists put forward as, as its meaning, if you like, what, it, what, what they say it indicates, and then what it says to me about creation.
0: Now, of course, the Higgs boson is considered to be or is called uh, by secular physicists the God particle. What does all that mean? How do we understand the way that they're talking about that and what you might bring as a perspective on the Higgs boson?
1: Well, the name name they gave it, the God particle, while it it sort of seems to have taken on some, some theological significance, actually came about as a kind of a... A joke. Uh, the fellow who was writing an article in a science magazine uh, wanted to call it the god of deleted particle, and his uh, editor didn't think that would be a very good idea, so they just called it the god particle. And the concept of it is that the reason that they, it, was, it was called that was that it was so difficult to discover. Uh, and in fact, they don't actually see the god particle or the Higgs boson what they see is evidence that indicates its existence. So it's very much like the evidence that indicates the existence of God, even though we can't see him. Now, uh, one of the things they said uh, coming out of CERN was that the existence of the Higgs boson lends credence to the um, Big Bang Theory of the Universe, Uh, the argument there being that Sometime after the initial Big Bang, there was a, a point where the conditions existed where there was a Higgs boson uh, produced in, in a, for a moment, and they reproduced those conditions in the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, and therefore that's uh, proof of the Big Bang. But that's that's a logical fallacy, in fact. All they've done is do an experiment uh, with a Large Hadron Collider that has provided some evidence that that confirms the likely existence of the Higgs boson.
0: Now, some people um, obviously and- were looking to that Higgs boson as evidence for no god. Uh, what evidence they did find, how does that uh, fit with your uh, understanding of of uh, nuclear physics and creation?
1: Well, the Higgs boson is the the sort of missing particle to complete what's referred to in particle physics as the standard model. And, and it's a, a model that attempts to describe the matter that we see around us in terms of some 17 different particles. Uh, most of these particles are very transitory, uh, but some of them we know. We know uh, neutrons and protons and electrons and photons, which are uh, a particle associated with light. Uh, the other ones are we don't know so well, we, we don't hear about them, and that's because they're, they just exist in experiments and then they transform back down into these other three stable particles. And in actual fact, the neutron and the proton themselves are made up of quarks. But in the end, what we have, all of the matter in the universe is made up of three or maybe four depending on how you count them, particles the uh, neutron, the proton, and the electron. Now there's a thing called a neutrino uh, that goes around as well, but it's not really incorporated into matter. The matter is made up of the electrons, the neutrons, and the protons. So here we have everything in the universe made up of just three particles. And if you look at the amazing array of stuff we have, it's just amazing that it all can be made from just three particles. So I think that's evidence of an incredible designer. This is
0: the crux of the issue, isn't it, when it comes to this uh, level of particle physics, is that either it's evidence that there is no God or it's evidence that there is a God. And when you start to talk about design, there is evidence there of personality that comes into the whole of creation, not just this earth, but the whole of the universe.
1: Well, to me, it's just mind-boggling that, in fact, everything is made of just three, these three particles. And and the bosons, of which the Higgs is one, are the particles associated with all of the force fields that hold all of these particles together. So we have the electromagnetic force, uh, which is associated with light and with the attraction of, of electric particles. Uh, we have the uh, nuclear, strong nuclear force, and we have the gravitational force. And the, all these different forces are created by just four bosons. And so we have the entire universe and all of the forces that keep it acting uh, are a result of just these few handful of particles. And yet if you think of the number of different and unique parts there are in a, something like an automobile, to think that the entire universe can be made out of just three parts is just an amazing design feature. Whoever, whoever was able to figure out that design is just a super intelligent designer.
0: And Jim, when it comes to being a creationist, someone who believes that God created, uh, those design elements are so important and they do uh, pro- proclaim an evidence for creation.
1: Well, uh, absolutely. I I think they do. I think it's just mind-boggling that that that's the case. And looking at the particle physics and how it all fits together and how it all builds up everything else, it just to to me, it just proclaims creation tremendously.
0: Well, I guess uh, there'd be a lot more for us to talk about, and uh, we're out of time today, but those listening to us might like to check out your full tour dates. Uh, You'll be in Australia during the month of August, Uh, There are a number of conferences called the Proclaim Creation Conferences at which you are the keynote speaker. So I'll point people to creation.com to get those tour dates. Dr. Jim Mason, nuclear physicist. It's just a pleasure talking through these sorts of issues. Jim, thanks so much for being with us today on
1: 2020. Well, thanks for having me, Neil. I'm really looking forward to this trip.